0: Thank you for tuning in to Grassroots Television. Visit grassrootstv.org for on-demand community archive footage, as well as educational, inspiring, and entertaining local programming. A contribution to Grassroots TV allows us to bring your voice to the valley and to preserve media that will be enjoyed by future generations. Visit us at grassrootstv.org and follow us on Facebook, YouTube, SoundCloud, and Twitter. We encourage you to support all the local businesses and citizens that generously underwrite grassroots programming and play an integral role in nurturing open communication among the residents of the Roaring Fork Valley since 1972. Thank you for tuning in to Grassroots Community Network.
1: Hello, I'm Ira Bezzo and this is A Good Life, a show that talks about all aspects of human flourishing from physical and mental health to social and spiritual well-being. The topic of today's show is secularism and its relationship with multiculturalism. And I'll be speaking with Pastor Jane Keener-Quiet, a chaplain of Valley View Hospital, Reverend Charlotte Bilinski of Snowmass Chapel, and Rabbi Mendel Mintz of the Chabad Jewish Community Center. First off, thank you guys for coming in today to talk about this um, important, uh, yet sometimes uh, not well-discussed topic. Uh, the term secular seems to have many different meanings today in politics. Sometimes it means opposite of religion, as in, I'm a secular person, not a religious person. Uh, sometimes it means something that's separate from religion. For example, uh, the government is, deals with secular issues where the church or the synagogue deals with religious issues. Uh, what does the term secular mean to you, and how do you address these different connotations of secular in your different congregations?
2: I thought about secular if I was just thinking about something that didn't have to do with the church, if I was thinking about the city council or the the public school. And so that was secular. Um, The community church was a religious organization, or the interfaith clergy group, you know, that was a religious organization. So I didn't have a value um, attached to them as good or bad.
3: Yeah, I would totally agree, Jane. Because I see it as, uh, I, even as someone who lives in, you know, the religious world, I also participate very fully in aspects of the secular world. I mean, they're to me they're they commingle all the time. Yet they are different. I don't see them as in opposition at all. I just see them as as uh, sort of a definition of this one naturally has to do with things of religion. This one naturally does not. But it doesn't mean that a religious person can't cross over and vice versa.
4: I fully agree. I think, you know, in the last few years, the word secular, secularism has been used to divide people and I don't see it that way and nor is it necessary to be that way. I think it's certain things you do tend to be more spiritual or religious in nature and certain things tend to be more mundane or secular. Uh, and they're part of everyday life for whoever you are and whatever your occupation or field is and whatever your belief system is.
3: Right. In fact, that's a great point. Most of the time, I'd like to see there be more crossover because the more we try to separately define them and keep keep them apart, as we tend to do with a lot of things these days, the more divided we are. And, and it's a really beautiful thing when they can... Um, comingle as I said I think it's a, it's yeah. a spiritual naturally crosses over into the secular they're so
4: not they're not a contradiction and they're, right. they're not in disagreement with one another right. Right, So th- this is really interesting
1: because in one respect you want to say that uh, secular and religion is uh, has a complementary relationship mm-hmm. uh, where religious people can be involved in the secular world or, or secular engagement or involvement uh, uh, people who aren't necessarily religious can do be spiritual even if not religious mm-hmm. uh, the difficulty, um, and I think this is where sometimes the politics and the semantics come in, is uh, religions tend to uh, want to see a person be religious in all manifestations of their being. Mm. Uh, oh, it's yeah. not a matter of being religious, uh, you know, simply in the church or the synagogue and not religious elsewhere. Um, but if that's the case, then even the secular realm, when religious people enter it, they're not compartmentalizing their religious time and their secular time. They're entering the secular sphere as religious people. So where is that complementarity Mm. as opposed to a permeation of the religion into the quote unquote secular?
2: It would be kind of like saying, uh, I'm going to pay attention to the golden rule. Do unto others as you
3: would have them do unto you, roughly speaking. I'm going to pay attention to that wherever I am. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was thinking of it too, like I'm a mother. but just because I don't have kids living in my house right now because I'm an empty nester or just because I leave my home doesn't mean I leave mothering behind. You know what I mean? Like you, you enter into the secular world with whatever you bring to it. You know, whatever your whatever uh, your spiritual life is and focus is, you bring that with you. But you can still fully participate in the secular without having that overlay or overt religious um being, I served on the school board for eight years. That was not a place to, you know, talk religion. Uh, but it's certainly my religious values informed my values, you know, uh, in service to the schools. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense?
4: No, it, it, it does. Um, Mendel, did you want to? No, I, I agree. I think religion, you know, I, I think religion doesn't have great expectations. I think we totally understand and recognize we're frail human beings and we need to do everything we have to do. And uh, most things that are secular are not opposed to religion. Uh, we eat. That's not, not, not necessarily religious yeah. experience, although for some it is. But we do a lot of things that are secular and it's it's mandated by religion it's it's religion wants you to live Mm -hmm. and be healthy Mm -hmm. and not just you know take care of your soul but your mind your body and you know educate yourself and and succeed and prosper in all aspects of life it's sort of Mm uh the way to do things so i think religion wants you to thrive in a secular environment and what you do do it fully not that it's a contradiction and you know By extension, you're taking your inspiration or religion with you because you're consistent. uh, You practice what you preach. Mm -hmm. You live a certain way. So that maybe drives your secular life. Uh, So, you know, if you're a religious person, you hope you conduct your business fears honestly as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not always the case, but the goal is that it encompasses all of your life and enlightens and inspires Mm -hmm. your secular part of your life. Mm
1: -hmm. So. I I hear you, uh, and I agree with you. Um, I would push back and say the vision, or the cognitive metaphor I'm having when we're talking about religion and secular is of a religious person entering a secular sphere. And that religious person entering the secular sphere of who they are and engaging in that secular sphere as who they are. The difficulty is that secular sphere is not only made up of that one person entering it. There's many people who have very different uh, religious uh, or, or non-religious mm-hmm. values, dogmas, premises, philosophies. Um, do you think that that person who comes in uh, into that secular sphere as a religious person, who then engages everybody else, where does their religion play? Do they come in as a religious person? Or do right. they come in as a religious person knowing that they're going to have differences among the other people that they're, they're working with?
2: Well, part of it would be my religion informs me my religion also prepares me and conditions me Mm -hmm.
3: to act in the public sphere Mm -hmm. yeah and my gut response when you said that is um, you invited us here today because we are clergy so in that regard yes our religion you know comes in with us to the room shall we say you Mm -hmm. know but in a lot of the secular world i just go in as sharla you know Mm -hmm. and and then as jane just said and as well the our religion our spiritual life our practice that we have privately or publicly as the case may be in 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 some instances informs us in then whatever situation we're in but um do we do we lead with religion in secular instances i think it's just gonna be very dependent on the situation
2: there Mm -hmm. may be times that we enter the secular sphere informed and because of our religion uh, one one example that i think of uh, several years ago here um, uh, rabbi david and i and and a few others approached the uh, was it the school board i don't know if you were involved in the, but the schools oh, in yeah. terms of holidays yeah because the schools were you know scheduling <laughs> all kinds of things uh when either on Sundays or usually Fridays. On, or, usually on,
3: in conflict with the Jewish calendar. Yeah, yeah and, yeah. and
2: we, wanted, we wanted some recognition to maybe not schedule everything all the time, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. during uh, times in particular for religious worship. So we approached, you know, as clergy people, asking
3: yeah. could you consider that? It's a great example that? because, in all fairness, I wasn't clergy when I was on the school board, yet. Uh-huh. So okay. a little different, but even if I had been, um, and been able to get elected, I'm not sure if that would have even worked. But even if I had been, you all came as clergy members to approach the school board, I would have absolutely had to set that hat, that clergy hat mm-hmm. aside, and look at it as a school board member and a representative of the community, of the secular, non-religious community, and have that conversation. So, you know, I think we're entirely capable of setting aside the, I shall we say, you know, leadership hat um, without setting aside, you know, our own religious values Mm -hmm. in the secular world. Yeah,
4: I think it's interesting. I think most clergy and people involved in religion go into a room and just, they're themselves. They, whatever they do, they do. The expectation may be from other people, may, you know, feel like they need to say things or do things and not be themselves because someone else is present or a clergy member is present. And you know, people say, "Oh, I don't know what to say." Say, "Just be yourself. (laughs) Say whatever you'd like. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nothing's inappropriate. Whatever you know, just having a conversation. It could be at a party, at an event, a social event, and just be yourself. And it's it's friendships. It's community. Well, so in in hearing what you're saying, do you think that clergy uh, are
1: have a position apart from their communities, uh, where clergy represent themselves in a certain way? Uh, That's different than their congregations, and then they can also play the clergy and/or the congregation role. Or is clergy a model for congregations, where the way they act in their own personal lives and in their public roles should be uh, the congregation should learn from them and and try and and be modeled after them?
3: Oh, good lord! I don't know. I want anybody modeling (laughs) themselves after me. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That, that's, oh. a, that's a big burden. And, and, and by the way,
1: thank you guys for coming today.
4: <laughs> uh, you know, I don't think we ask anyone to model anything we do. I think you lead by example uh, as a human being. Uh, you know, if you have children, you don't tell them what to do. Uh, you know, the old saying is the best way uh, to educate children uh, by example, and the answer is no, it's the only way. Uh, it's I mean. not the you know. So you just be yourself, do the right thing, and wherever you are, in whatever environment you are, you, you hope that you have a positive influence and the positive things that people want to emulate or enhance their own lives. Uh, but I don't think any of us think that you know we're so special out there that uh, uh, people are flocking to us to to you know copy what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Have you seen? Uh anti-religious
1: sentiment increase uh, in Aspen or Pitkin County or the Roaring Fork Valley? And I ask both as community leaders and as members of communities, mm. uh, not just as people who might be watching television and seeing what's going on in the country or the world in general.
4: Yeah. I haven't. I think to the country, I think people are more, uh, I don't want to use the word more religious, but more spiritual or more or searching. Mm-hmm. More people are searching than ever And because there's so much out there and there's so much confusion, where some, you know, you would think the more options and the more out there, maybe the easier it is, but it's confusing for a lot of people and there's so much noise and clutter. So I think there's a great opportunity for clergy to give direction and comfort and strength and show people that there is a good, meaningful way to do things and have a meaningful life with purpose and. An inner peace and an inner calm. Not that there aren't times of struggle and and turmoil, but I think, if I had to say, I I don't know the general mood of the country, but I think in this valley, I think more people are searching in my 18 years here uh, than ever before.
3: Yeah, my, my gut tells me the same thing. I don't have hard data for that. But I will say the 2010 Census Bureau for Pitkin County um, showed that only 18% of people in Pitkin County attend religious services regularly and that's compared to about 52% nationwide. So so are people going to church in, in the Fork Valley? Not so much but I totally agree that people are seeking, they're spiritual, um, they may even consider themselves part of a religious community but just don't attend very often. So that was 2010. I'm eager to see the 2020 census because I agree. I think something tells me that people are attending more, they're engaged more in their spiritual communities, and and they want that sense of connection, especially relationships, mm-hmm. you know, um, relationship connections. And and I see it and we talk about it at our um, some of our clergy meetings that churches are growing. I mean it, attendance is is increasing. I, I
2: don't see a, an anti-religious sentiment. Yeah. I've not, I've not experienced that myself, and I do think people are seeking, maybe more here than other places. Yeah. I, I don't know because this is where I've been for, a, for quite a while, and there is a lot of diversity, in in where you can go, to seek spiritual, sort spiritual growth. And another thing I've seen and I, uh, here is, people may go to one church, or they may go to three, Mm. Mm -hmm. you know, three different, there's a lot of, I think in
4: the valley. One of the reasons that may I explain, by the way, any Jewish community, if we can get 18% attendance, we would love that. <laughs> yeah. So you guys are still way ahead of us. And, uh, no,
3: I think
1: you're lucky included. You. You're included in yeah, I probably tr-
4: brought the numbers good. down. not yeah. uh, just
3: churches. So, I should have said synagogues too. No, but you yes. brought the numbers
4: down. Uh, but uh, I think there's many, and I think church and synagogue and religious leaders in general are seeing this trend where people are doing things outside of the church. It's not like our parents you know, conventionally went on a Saturday or a Sunday you know, for religious services. They're expressing their faith in many different uh, areas and many different ways. Uh, and I think the challenge uh, for the clergy community is to figure out how to engage people who may not want to sit in a pew for an hour and a half once a week. And maybe it's taking a bike ride or a hike and having a meaningful conversation. And that's very much what I do, or just you know, taking a walk or having a cup of coffee, uh, which can accomplish sometimes quite a bit more if it helps a person where they want to be or go. Uh, and I think we're seeing that more and more. Not that people are, you know, I agree the numbers are probably down in some areas, but it doesn't give you the real, you know, the, the, the true picture of the, you know, the whole event.
3: Well, and you're right. I think that people today want uh, religion to be relevant. And they see it because they want to be out doing good in the world. They want to be serving. They want to serve those in need. They want to serve the least of these. And so how do we as religious communities make it relevant for them? And we do it just like you said. We get outside our walls. Church can't be about, you know, coming to church on a Sunday morning for an hour or synagogue on a Friday night. I mean, it just, mm-hmm. it's just it got to be getting out into the world. And hopefully
2: it's a, a door into more... More activities of a benevolent nature. Yeah. I know in our in our families, some people are involved with in religion, different religions. Yeah. Some people not at all, and some are very active in benevolent activities in 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 helping the world be a better place and helping helping the poor, so, helping
1: a number of people. So part of the the success of, of you guys as clergy's uh, in engaging people would be knowing uh, what they're looking for, uh, and and it seems. Uh, from how you're speaking about it, what they're looking for isn't not isn't necessarily a uh, theological or a philosophical satisfaction, where they see a problem with uh, deconstructivism or postmodernism, but it's uh, more of a social, emotional, communal need that they have, uh, and that's why they're becoming spiritual and or religious. Um, do you think that churches and synagogues are filling a gap that uh, communities used to have, like? We no longer have a lodge, or we no longer have bowling teams, so therefore people are yeah. going to churches or synagogues. Or is the spirituality based on intellectual reflection and, and, and critique of society as well? That,
4: Again, thank you guys for coming.
2: <laughs> 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 that may partly have to do with what generation <coughs>
4: you're in. Yeah. No. Uh, you know, that's a tough one. I, I think, you know, let's just use this valley as an example. I think people here. Maybe we're just jaded, but we want to live the fullest we can live. We want to be the best at everything we can be. We want to hike and ski more and bike more and this and that more. And I think when you have all that and there's a void, because that will, that will give you a lot, but there's still a void. And you go searching for, how do I fill that? Sometimes and people it can take decades or years till people come to the realization what, they, what it is they're lacking. Uh, so maybe it's, you know, they may go to the Institute and attend a bunch of programs and feed their mind and see what's going on. And I think it takes time till people understand that there's a soul in there and it wants some kind of meaning and purpose bigger than everything else we do that helps put everything in perspective that give people a better balance because I think the Aspen idea is so much about a balance and at least we talk about that so much. Uh, that I think it just, people get there, but it takes a while for them to reach that realization. Mm-hmm.
3: Spot on. It's exactly what I was thinking.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, Jane, you mentioned it depends what generation you're in. And I'm not saying that's a disagreement with, uh. with what Mandel said, but uh, what, can you expand on that a little bit? Like, are, do you find that children are coming without their parents, because they have certain needs that their parents might not? Do you find that the majority of people who are coming are coming, uh, after they retire because they've stopped working and now they, they need, they need something else. What about the generational differences are you finding in terms of people looking for spirituality?
2: Well, I'm, I'm thinking of w- when I did serve a ch- churches, a lot of the people that were there every Sunday were, uh, people that grew up in, actually in the generation before I, that were used to that sort of rhythm of every in this case every Sunday being in services that was just a part of life you know? I don't see that as much in my children or, or young, younger people they may come if, it's, if they think it's meaningful to them but, but they're not, it's, it's not that established sort of habit that this is something I want to do all the time I'm not saying that's exclusive at, at all but it's something I noticed uh, as, well, as I a pastor. That, uh,
3: we could all probably speak to that just as a reflection of this valley. People are so busy that until you get to that generation uh, maybe where yeah. you you aren't as busy, um, it is uh, scattershot. You know, people's attendance is not you know, every single Sunday. But that doesn't diminish their desire to be there, and it certainly doesn't diminish the hole that I think right. everybody is seeking to fill in some way. Some of us, you know, have a bigger hole than others, maybe. I don't know, but I think everybody's seeking that, that something higher than themselves. And so they find a way to, to get there. And I would say that um, attendance is not reflective of people's need or people's seeking. Um, and I think that it's, they don't come to church necessarily to, well, people come to church for all different reasons. They come, you know, they, they really do. You could interview them all, you'd have 20 different reasons. And, um, and not the least of which is community, you know. And one of the
2: things you might, uh, that, that I would, I used to see is that the number of people on a Sunday morning is not really reflective of what the church was doing mm-hmm. that week. Think yeah. Of All of the people that come through the doors. Yeah. Um, uh, which I, I used to think about a lot and pray for all of the persons that came through our doors may they may they be blessed because they come through during the week for many different things
4: mm-hmm. yeah it's a wide range uh... i'm not sure of the generational impact and what triggers that there's a lot of studies on that uh, but i think people come for you know so, like you said so many different reasons and you know from curiosity, I think at the courts always community, to be a part of something and with be with people, it just feels right and feels good. But there's reasons that I'm sure guilt brings some people, or who knows what you know. But there's there's got to be dozens of reasons why people ultimately come, and I'm sure that's somehow reflected also in their upbringing, the generation, mm-hmm. uh, their parents, their their experience growing up. There's so many different things that trigger how people react.
1: You know, I want to go back to what we talked about a little bit earlier with regards to uh, how to negotiate between being uh, you know, religious but also engaged in the public square. Uh, it seems to me that uh, both the ability to be engaged in the public square and the ability to attract people who are looking for things uh, shows that there's a bit of a difference between theological dogma or premises and the communal or, or religious values that a, that a community has. Uh, where you can be involved uh, as a person who's part of a religious community with others who are not of the same religious community or even of a religious community at all, because there might be an overlap in values, even if there's a difference in theology. Um, how have you found today in, in working with uh, other religious communities uh, in engaged in community development and social social justice and 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 the politics of, of the Aspen community and the Roaring Fork Valley in terms of where those, va- those values in, in your own religion and in the multicultural public square come
4: into play? Uh, that, you know, in every, everything. Uh, I think uh, politics, for better or for worse today, does trigger a lot of people's uh, actions and engagement uh, and how they see it and, you know, those who had certain beliefs, I think now just dug the you know, heels in further and, you know, are now more convinced. Uh, so I think there's actually more divisiveness in terms of politics, which is why many, uh, many of us probably avoid politics and it just doesn't bring people together. Maybe it should, but it doesn't. Uh, But from a secular to religious realm, I think it's actually a very healthy conversation because it's all engaging and all-encompassing. We want people, you know, the greatest religious experience you can have is is helping somebody in need. Uh, And if you learn about a need from your, you know, church or synagogue or community and then someone acts on that, there's no better feeling. So when there's cross-engagement and people meeting each other, usually good things follow. And good things happen. The challenge is, in the context of politics and all, I think those who believe a certain thing will continue to believe it. I don't think we're changing anyone's mind there. Uh, and I think it's probably best to avoid those conversation in religious services. It's okay to have events that are politically <coughs> centric at you know, at different times and you know weekdays and whatever it may be for educational purposes, whatever, what, you know, however it may engage people. Uh, I
3: think the key for engaging people is bringing them together with our common value around which, you know, I think everybody sitting here at this table would agree one common value would be welcoming the stranger. And, and the way that we do that within our, you know, theological discernment um, is probably pretty similar. And so really mm-hmm. allowing people to be who they are, welcoming the dialogue, and, um, and getting like that common ground. That then we can just say, you know, that's the way you are. That's the way you are. That's the way you are. And we can all agree, for instance, that there's a need. We're going to serve totally. together. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
4: I totally agree, and and it's it's complicated, but yeah. it's it's still the right. It's way. messy.
2: It's good, though. That's life. Exactly. But what yeah. we've come together on things like the homeless shelter or mm-hmm. or uh, cradle to career with the mm-hmm. with the Aspen Community Foundation, when when certainly of diverse religious viewpoints, but We'll meet each other at these, you know, meetings and and e- events that have to do and with so many, caring for the and caring for this valley.
3: Sorry to interrupt. There's so many places where we do meet. I mean, our we we have so much more in common. People do not see that. They they see that we have 217 Christian denominations alone <laughs> in the world and think, well, how can we ever agree on anything? But we we have so much more in common than we than we
4: think so and i think in this valley ira is uh many people may not be aware of it but the churches synagogues and clergy in general are really unified and respond we may not meet every week or every day but when when there's a need that needs to be addressed we all come together we're there for one another support one another and it feels it feels very special and very right that that people you know you can rely on others and they'll be there for you so it I believe, based on what you said and and elsewhere also, that
1: uh, this type of religious intercommunal engagement is a good test ground to create a multicultural public square. Because when you get together, you're not focusing on that which defines you as individuals and then uh, distinguishes you from everybody else. But given your differences, you can still engage in common uh, goals and common mission. if it could be done among people of different religions working together in a community, it could then be shown to be done by different genders, different races, uh, different political affiliations and identities and so forth. Uh, the key is not talking about how we could agree, but engaging each other on how we can work together even when we disagree.
2: Well, and part of it would be yeah. the different contributions, different viewpoints can bring to a, to a conversation sure. or to and a even problem.
4: when problem. Right. Even when there's disagreement on a variety of subjects, it doesn't hinder the respect we have for one another and the commitment to do what is right and, and help those in need and you know, engaging and welcoming the stranger and do whatever we need to enhance and better this valley. Yeah. So it's interesting,
1: as we can keep talking about engagement, and these, this is something that, that you three do very, very well, uh, is engagement means you have to be able to speak in a way that even when you're coming from a different perspective, someone can understand where you're coming from. Mm. Uh, that takes an act of translation uh, from your world to somebody else's, mm-hmm. which enriches your own world also. Because you now have to find new ways of saying the same thing, uh, in a, but also in a way that broadens what you're saying to incorporate others as well. Mm. Uh, it, it's very exciting to see the, how we can talk together in,
4: in, in this important way. Yeah. And the key to that is, is listening. We may have our feels and opinions, but listen to what others are saying.
3: Mm-hmm. Without formulating a thought in your head while they're talking. <laughs> <laughs> That's Which is hard to do. <laughs> <laughs> very hard to do. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Uh, Jane, you said that uh, you worked uh, as a chaplain at Valley View Hospital. Yes. Uh, how is your work as a chaplain different than as a, uh, a, a mm-hmm. reverend or a or, or leader of a church?
2: It's different in that the hospital is a secular environment but the hospital has created a space for spiritual care. Knowing that spiritual care can come from many different directions, different different approaches, but we're... In, in a way, it reminds me of, of uh, what uh, this sort of definition of secular was as creating an environment for interfa- an environment for diversity. So we, we enjoy that diversity of spiritual traditions or no tradition, you know, with, with patients. But what we do is offer a kind of offer a space for a patient to talk about whatever they need to talk about. Mm-hmm. It may be religious, it may not be religious. They may welcome you because you're a clergy person, they may not care about that at all. They or just want they to talk. may talk yeah, Someone or they might to. be a little anti-religion, you know, and then you have to kind of go, it's okay. It's absolutely okay. We're here, you know, to, to listen to what you might need to talk about. You know, what, it, what can be a part of your healing? So going from a church where I was a United Methodist minister and, you know, in, in that role in, in a church, I'm not in that role at all. That's only a background mm-hmm. that, that gave me the opportunity for more training to sort of be an open container for people to work with.
1: Mm -hmm. Have you found, and and this is for Charlene Mendel as well, have you found that uh, when people are in uh, struggle, whether it's uh, with with medicine or or elsewhere, uh, they have trouble reaching out to spiritual leaders um, or has it become easier for people to speak to? spiritually is whether it's chaplains speaking to people not of their faith or or going to churches where they may not know someone or they would know someone has has spirituality been or spiritual leaders i should say been a resource uh, that people are recognizing more
4: and more today they better be
2: yeah (laughs) we hope so that's
4: the purpose i mean obviously you want to make people as comfortable as possible that they can open up and share what's on their minds because once they're comfortable They'll talk and I remind myself sometimes in meetings is just listen they, there's a lot to get off people have a lot to share and get off their chests and uh, but I think it's uh, I, I can't uh, overstate how important it is uh, to make give people a sense of comfort that uh, whatever they say is okay we're not judging them we're not whether it's good or bad, and you know, because a lot of times when there's problems, there may not be a solution, but talking about it at least give pe- gives people a sense of comfort that they've, you know, dealt with it.
3: Yeah, I, and I would say uh, Snowmass Chapel especially, and I can only speak to that as far as my experience goes, but um, it tends to be a place where community members, whether they're a part of the congregation or not, do come for help either through you know grief situations or crisis or and and i think you know we've developed kind of a culture there of caring for the community in that way so people do feel comfortable coming but again everybody's different and some people feel much um you know comfortable in that setting than others who might not reach out Mm -hmm. and i think the ones that we're all still missing are those who um kind of have this feeling when it comes to any sort of religious institution and a lot of that comes because They've been burned in the past they have been part of a congregation or part of a family or part of a community that either was oppressive and tried to shove religion down their throats or told them that they were going straight to hell if they didn't behave in a certain way um or you know any number of things that are sort of objectionable to people for a good reason and so i think those people um you know if anybody's watching this today i hope they understand that you know not all religious institutions um are built the same. And most, if they're focused on love, are are, are going to be there for you when you need them.
1: Well, I, I want to thank the three of you for coming in and, and speaking today. Uh, I know that we spoke a lot, but I, I hope the people that are watching will realize that you'll listen to them a lot more than speak, <laughs> uh, as you did here. Uh, no, but in all seriousness, I think it's a, it's a very important topic that we need to speak more about mm-hmm. uh, because uh, religion should be seen as uh, as much a community resource as it is an individual uh, uh, path. And uh, having talks like this, I think, will allow people to, to know that. Yeah. So Absolutely. Thank
4: you, and thanks, thanks for doing what you do. Yeah.
1: Thank you. Of Thank you. Uh, and to our audience, we hope that with this show, you've come a little bit closer to reaching the good life.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Grassroots Television. Visit GrassrootsTV.org for on-demand community archive footage, as well as educational, inspiring, and entertaining local programming. A contribution to Grassroots TV allows us to bring your voice to the valley and to preserve media that will be enjoyed by future generations. Visit us at GrassrootsTV.org and follow us on Facebook, YouTube, SoundCloud, and Twitter. We encourage you to support all the local businesses and citizens that generously underwrite grassroots programming and play an integral role in nurturing open communication among the residents of the Roaring Fork Valley since 1972. Thank you for tuning in to Grassroots Community Network.